chapter 12, verse 30. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. That's the first commandment. Now, I've already addressed the context here, but this is one of seven verses in the Bible that speak of the mind and the heart in the same verse. Why does God make a distinction between the mind and the heart? Your mind and your heart. Why does God make the distinction? The reason God makes a distinction is because there is a difference between your mind and your heart. Now let's cover the other two things that are mentioned in this verse. Your soul is a statement that means who you are. This is who you are. It's a, it's a little bit of a combination of your mind and of your heart, but it also includes your personality, your person. All right, all right. When I say, hey, do you know Eric Tessany? I'm not talking about a face or, or a body. Uh, that's just the house. We're talking about the person. And we all know that we're talking about, about the person. That's the soul. The soul is the person. So when he says, with all thy soul, it means with all of your person. And then, of course, I don't have to tell you, it says all of your strength. It's talking there about your energy. Okay, so let's put, for the, because the, the uh, discussion tonight is not about your soul, it's not about your strength, it's about your mind and your heart. Everybody here has a mind and a heart. Now, many times... The Bible speaks of the heart and includes the mind because you are operating at your best when your mind and your heart are working together. But let's first define what's the difference between your mind and your heart. Everybody here's got a mind. Everybody here's got a heart. It's part of our makeup as human beings. What's the difference between the two? This is very important. This is probably the essence of the whole message tonight. Okay? Your mind is the place of thinking. Your heart is the place of feelings. Now, let me take a time out here. We all know that we have a pump in here that pumps blood. And that is a physical feature. And that obviously is not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about going to the doctor and and, uh, having him look at your heart. We're talking about, uh, the Bible is talking about the, the, uh, I don't even know what word, I guess the spiritual side. He's talking about the heart, the pump as representing something, by the way, just as real. Don't think just because you, you know, you can't get a spiritual heart transplant, although yes, you can, but there's, there's nothing, okay, if, if um, I'm not getting into territory where I have no clue what I'm talking about because I'm not a doctor, but I assume if you get a heart transplant, it's not going to change who you are as a person. It's not, you know, if, what, if, what if you got a heart transplant from uh, somebody that was, um, I don't know, a bank robber? <laughs> Do you become a bank robber? I don't think that's how it works. So there's no connection between the two. But in the Bible, there is a real part of your person 
referred to as your heart, and it's not the thing that pumps the blood. It's the place of your feelings. We all have feelings, and don't worry, I'm not going to talk about your feelings tonight. That's not where we're going, but, but in a sense, I am. Your mind is the place where you do your thinking. Your heart is the place where you feel. Your mind is the place for truth and facts. Your heart is the place of emotions. There's a difference. You know the difference between facts and emotions. And I'll give you some examples as we go. Your mind is the place of truth and facts. Your heart is the place of emotions. Your mind is the place of ideas. Your heart is the place of affections. Your mind is the place of principles. Your heart is the place of passions. Your mind is the place of statistics. Your heart is the place of moods. When you say, well, I'm in a really good mood today. Your mind can affect your mood, but the headquarters of your moods is your heart. So you have your mind, you have your heart. Your mind is the place of thinking, your heart is the place of feeling. Your mind is a place of facts and truths, your heart is the place of emotions. Let me say, feelings and emotions and affections and passions these are not bad words. These are not bad things. But sometimes we, we talk about them in a bad context because they get us into trouble more quickly. You are more likely to get in trouble because you did what you were feeling at the moment than you are to get in trouble because of what you're thinking. Now, your thinking can be corrupt, but you have more control over your thinking. You can determine whether something is a, a good idea or a bad idea. Okay? If somebody came up here tonight and said, I hate all, and you just fill in the blank with whatever you, you, you want to fill it in with, and, but they're talking about people. That's a bad idea. I don't care who you put in there. That's a bad idea. And your mind can make that assessment. That is a bad idea. So you can, you can connect. You, you can look at ideas. You can look at truth. You can read a book and assess that you are reading either a good idea or a bad idea. Either you're re reading truth or you're reading error. But your heart, the place of feeling, the place of emotion, the place of moods, the place of passion, your heart cannot always assess. Your heart without your mind can sometimes not assess what's good and bad. And God said so. 
The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So it is essential that you understand the difference between the place of facts and the place of feelings. The place of truth and the place of passion. The place of principles, the place of emotions. It's essential that you understand the difference. You have both, and they don't always work together. You can make them work together, but they don't necessarily work together. Let's see if I can try to illustrate the difference, okay? When you believe with all of your mind, that means that you agree with all the facts. But when you believe with all of your heart, that means that you support something that you, you just want it to be victorious. How many of you have ever rooted for a team that you knew they didn't have a chance? But somebody said, who's going to win the game? And you said, oh, right, right. And you, you, you just pretended like you were so sure that the underdog was going to win. But you didn't have a single fact to support it. And that's, that's so frustrating about trash talkers, isn't it? When somebody just talking trash. Oh, yeah, they're going to they're gonna kill you. We're going to kill you guys. On what basis? We just are. Okay. You know. um, that person's talking from their heart. They believe something with their heart. A lot of times when there's a, when there's a big game and somebody says, Hey, who's going to win this game? I'll clarify. Are you asking me who do I think is going to win or who do I want to win? Who do I think is going to win? That's a function of my mind. I look at the stats. These teams got the better players. This team's got better percentages. This team's got better this and that. But who do I want to win? <laughs> this guy, these guys are jerks, so I want these guys to win. So my mind's telling me one thing. My heart's telling me another thing. When you love... With all of your mind. That means you've, you've considered all the facts. And you have checked off everything that needs to be checked off. And you have made a mental commitment. One of the big disputes, Brother Hiles, among, among college students who were trying to figure out love. What does it mean to be in love? And one of the things that students argued about when I was in college. Brother Hiles had what what seemed to be to us way too academic a definition of love. Love was a commitment. You consider the facts and you, you make a commitment based on the facts. And uh, I remember him telling, he loved to tell this story about Dr. John R. Rice. And uh, he said he was riding in the car one time when Dr. John R. Rice and, and Mrs. Rice were in, in the car together. And, and they were just making small talk. And Mrs. Rice said, do you love me, John? And uh, he said, yes, I do. And she said, why? And she was looking for, you know, because you're so lovely. Because He said, because the Bible tells me to. And Mrs. Rice said, well, that doesn't, that doesn't make me feel very uh, romantic. He said, uh, no, but it will never make me feel unromantic. 
unromantic. Um, just a, a silly little story to illustrate what it means to love with your mind. But wait a minute. That's not all there is to love. Love is also a function of the heart. Okay? So I love with my mind when I say, okay, is she saved? Check. Does she uh, surrender to the will of God for her life? Check. Does she, um, you know, whatever, whatever's on my checklist? Check, check, check. So, okay, then I'm going to decide that I'm going to love her. I'm going to spend the rest of my life with her. That's mental love. By the way, that's very important. That's, that's essential. You can't skip that. You can't ignore that. But then there's the love with your heart, which is, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that's the, wow, she blows me away. That's, uh, she, uh, she makes me feel uh, very, very happy, you know. That's important too. You can't skip either one. You can't ignore either one. So, But do you see the difference between loving with all your mind and loving with all your heart? Okay? Um, let, me go, let me go back to believing and use this illustration for a second, okay? I believe the Bible is the Word of God. I believe it with all my mind, and I believe it with all my heart. Now, some guy comes along, some scientist comes along, and he starts talking billions and billions of years, and he starts talking things that, you know, fossils and things that I don't, I don't understand. I'm no scientist. And for a moment while he's talking, I don't understand. So because he's thrown a bunch of science at me that I, I don't know because I'm not a scientist, for a few minutes, my mind says, I'm not sure what the answer to that is. Hey, you could throw all kinds of questions at me that I'd have to say, I don't know the answer to that. But even while my mind is saying, boy, I'm not sure what the answer to that is, my heart is not going to stop saying, but I believe the Bible is the word of God with all my heart. And because I believe with all my heart, I know that the more I research this, the more my mind will find the answers. See, once your heart believes it, it's locked in. I believe with all my heart that there is a God. I believe with all my heart that the Bible is the Word of God. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is 100% man, 100% God, that he lived on this earth, that he died for my sins, that he rose again from the dead, that he's coming back someday. I believe those things with all of my heart. Those are closed. Those are locked. And so my mind and my heart, they are in perfect agreement. And they, but, but if there ever comes some thing okay I'm reading through my Bible and I see something I don't understand it seems to be a contradiction does that mean I stop believing the Bible no it means that my heart goes into question mark mode as far as the that specific fact but my heart continues to believe God with all my heart my heart doesn't give up on God just because my mind can't keep up with God. Okay? So, believing with all your heart, loving with all your heart. Let's talk about serving with all your heart. Okay? I serve with all my mind. That means I know why I serve the Lord. If you say to me, Pastor, why do you serve the Lord? I could give you probably as many reasons as you want. 
Well, for this reason and this reason and this reason. That's, that's my mind. I could give you Bible verses. I could give you um, philosophy, ideas, truths. Those are all functions of my mind, why I serve the Lord. I could tell you why, I could give you history on why churches are necessary. I could give you numbers for the city of Danbury and for the New York City area of why these things are necessary. These are all functions of the mind. But to serve the Lord with my heart. Why do you serve the Lord? Well, my heart, because I love the Lord. I love the Lord, and I have a burden for souls. Now, someday I may wake up and not be able to feel my love for the Lord so much. Someday I may wake up and I may not have much of a burden for souls. But I can still continue because my mind knows. So all of this, I really haven't gotten to the truth that I want you to take with you tonight. But I want to show you the difference between... Your mind and your heart. Your mind is the place of the facts. The facts, the facts, the facts. Your heart is the place of feelings. Okay? Now, let me, well, let me throw this in here. If you could see my notes, you all over the place here. I don't usually do it this way, but this is where it is, okay? You need to be aware of what affects your heart. See, here's the way it's supposed to work. The way it's supposed to work is that my mind gets so full of truth that that truth overflows into my heart so that what I believe and think matches what I feel. That's the way it's supposed to work. But here's the thing. Our hearts are influenced by many other things So that if we're not careful, our minds are going this direction and our hearts are going this direction. Okay? What are our hearts influenced by? Our hearts are influenced by relationships. Okay? You grew up believing that a certain kind of lifestyle was wrong and you believed it with all your mind and all your heart. And then you made a friendship with somebody that was wrapped up in that lifestyle that you've always believed is wrong. And so while your mind kept going this way, your heart started going this way. And your heart started talking to your mind and saying you need to reconsider because don't forget this person that okay um let me let me be more specific uh, or give a more specific example and this I, i understand these are impossible practically impossible challenges of life but A mom and a dad would tell you, you know what? I believe that uh, homosexuality is unnatural. It's ungodly. It's whatever. That's their belief. And then one day one of their children comes to them and says, the child that they love with all their heart, and says, you know what? I think I'm I'm homosexual. 
So now their mind is here and their heart is here. Now we're not going to go into all the the, the moral questions of, of, of that. I'm just using it as an illustration. That is a very real problem that people face. What's the solution? Well, we really don't have time to talk about the solution. We can talk about it sometime. But what I'm illustrating for you is that it is so very possible for your mind to go one way and your heart to go another way. Let me state very clearly, though, that God does not create anybody as a homosexual. You say, oh, pastor, those are very controversial words. I know, but I believe what I believe. And I believe it with all my mind and with all my heart. Now, on the other hand, by the way, this will mess with you a little bit. I do believe there are some people who are born homosexual. Say, so how can that be? That God didn't create them that way, but they're born that way. Well, we used to have a, a kid, and this is not about homosexuality. This is about cocaine. We used to have a kid, and please don't laugh at this. I mean, we, we joked about it at the time, but it's a tragedy when you look at the whole thing. From the time he was born on our bus around Chicago, everybody called him Buckethead because he just, his, his mind just wasn't there. He, he was, you know why? Because his mother was a cocaine addict while she was carrying him. Did God create him that way? No. Was he born that way? Yes. And that's the answer to the other question too. I don't understand. Okay, think it through, pray it through, get your answers from the Lord. I'm never going to debate it with you, but that is what I believe. But we start to really mess with what we Say we believe when we meet somebody that seems to contradict what we think we believe. That's a tough one. That's a tough one to try to wrestle with right there. Because, by the way, 15, 20 years ago, so few of us ever met somebody who said they were homosexual. Now there's probably not a person in the room who doesn't know somebody who is openly homosexual. Um, What's something else that affects our hearts without, without sort of goes past our minds into our hearts. I'll tell you, music. Music affects your heart. It, sides, it, it, it bypasses your mind and goes to your heart. When, when I was a boy, I listened to all kinds of music that I didn't understand the words. One of my favorite songs when I was a kid, B.J. Thomas sang it. And um, it was called, Hey, won't you play another somebody done somebody wrong song? I didn't know what he was saying. I just remembered, hey, won't you play another? And we used to say, I sing like this, me and my cousin Kenny. Another somebody, some, somebody wrong song. We didn't know what we were saying. And I wonder how much of the music that you listen to, you You have no idea what the words are, but you know what? Your heart knows the message. There are songs. There's two in particular. I I, I have no affection whatsoever for rock music, but I got to tell you, there's two songs, one that came out in 1967, the year I was born, and one that came out in 1971. I was four years old. 
that when, when when I'm out somewhere and I hear them, and they weren't suit, one was pretty popular, the was the other really wasn't. But when I hear it, it like it chills me. It's like somehow that song had some impact on me when I was small that I can't identify. I don't know the words. I don't. Okay, the singer of one of the songs, I don't want to give away the songs. I don't want you going out here whistling or singing it. But the singer of one of the songs is Rod Stewart. What, what in the world? <laughs> you got to be kidding me. You know, he didn't wear no cowboy hat. What in the world? But it's a song that somehow was extremely familiar to me when I was about four years old. Why? It impacts my heart. It sidestepped my mind and went to my heart. Um, another way that our... Oh, boy, I'm, i, I got to hustle because I, I still haven't gotten to the point. <laughs> Music affects your heart. Relationship. Uh, stories affect your heart. Whether stories you read in a book, stories you watch in a movie, stories affect your heart. You be very careful that, about crying over a story, fictional or non-fictional, about people who were living in sin. Be very careful. If you're going to watch a television show or a movie, have the mental maturity to say, I don't like where this is going, and I don't want my heart to be a part of this. You know, we don't, I'm going to shut this off because there's bad words. I'm going to shut this off because, you know, uh, nudity or whatever. But there's more to it. Than just those, absolutely, those things. But there's more to it than that. I don't like where this storyline is going. I don't need my heart. And, boy, a lot of times these, these writers and these producers, uh, they, will, they will put something out there that makes us feel strong compassion for some pretty twisted people. And what they're doing is they're dragging your heart to places where your mind would never go on its own. All right, so I, let me, those are a few examples. Let me read the others. Loyalties. Oh, I've got to stop on that one. Loyalties. See, loyalty is a function of your heart. I just watched somebody very dear to me goof up his life he was growing to the Lord making great progress but an old old loyalty from a past life came calling and he had to decide between his mind and his heart and his present day or that old loyalty and he couldn't say no to that old loyalty and now he's back in a place that it took him years to get away from loyalties sidestep your mind and grasp your heart circumstances sidestep your mind grasp your heart okay very quickly let me give you four pieces of advice and then eight pieces of advice and i'm going to do it all in about five minutes oh yes i am watch me all right first of all it's very important to take stock of both your mind and your heart in every area of your life Where's my heart in my relationship with God? I'm sorry, where's my mind? Where's my heart? Where's my mind in my relationships with my wife, my husband, my children? Where's my mind? Where's my heart? 
Where's my mind and my heart in relationship to my coworkers? Where's my mind and my heart in relationship to fellow church members? You'd be very careful that your mind, while your mind, I know, hey, I'm one husband, one wife for life. That's where my mind is. But your heart likes to get away from your wife for a little while, likes to get away from your husband a little while. And your heart likes, it has a magnetism to somebody in church or somebody at work. I like to be around them. You're in a dangerous place. And it's very important to assess both your mind and your heart. It's very important to keep both your mind and your heart strong in every area of your life. It is very important to be sure that your mind and your heart line up. The areas where your mind and your heart do not line up, that's where you're going to get in trouble. And obviously, line up in a good place. You know, you don't want your mind and your heart to both line you up as a racist. Just because they line up, that, that's, a, that's still a bad thing. You, wanna, you want your mind and your heart to line up in love. It's very important to identify where your mind and your heart do not line up. Do you know what Samson's problem was? He had a mind for the Lord. He had a heart for Philistine women. His mind and his heart didn't line up, and that's what led to his downfall. You know what Absalom's problem was? His mind knew that he, he, I'm sorry, not Absalom, Amnon. Absalom's brother, Amnon, Amnon. Amnon lusted after his own half-sister. His mind told him this is wrong. His heart said, but I want her so badly. And he had a friend that strengthened his wicked heart and gave him confidence in doing wrong. Do you know what led to Saul of Tarsus getting saved? His mind was steeped in Jewish doctrine. But he still had a heart for the Lord. He genuinely wanted to please God, even though his mind was steeped in the old Jewish doctrine, and he refused to see that Jesus was the Messiah. So God in grace and mercy stepped in and caused his mind to instantly line up with his heart. It is vital that you identify where your mind and your heart don't line up. I'm talking about where your mind knows what you, I bless God, I know what I believe, why I believe it. But your heart wants to do something different. I'll never forget, I had a friend in college that um, he was engaged to a girl and it looked like it was going great. He was doing well. And just all of a sudden, he had planned some big date with her and she just showed up to the date and broke off the engagement. And, and here's the sick, the hard thing. She was, she was already getting close. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, I remember it as a major jilt. So if I'm not mistaken, she had already said yes to someone else's marriage proposal. 
It just killed my friend. But here's what she said. I'll never forget this. She said to my friend, she said, my mind says you're the one. But my heart says he's the one. Now, she did my friend a favor because you don't want any part of that. But she was, she was, it, it always, it always, I had a hard time when I was young. You know, I'm 22, whatever, 23 years old. I'm going, I, I don't get that. But now I get it. She was allowing her mind and her heart to be in different places. You cannot allow your mind and your heart to be in different places. It will not end well. Okay, so here's the, I just gave you four points. Here's the final eight. Ready? Going to fly through them. I'm going to give you eight times when it is vital to listen to your mind over your heart. And I'll only illustrate the last one. When to listen to your mind over your heart. Number one, when you want to make a major change in your life. You need to put the brakes on, listen to your mind, not your heart. Number two, when you're faced with an important decision. Number three, when you've had a great victory in your life. It is, it is so easy when you've had a great victory to just want, and you listen to your heart and you make a foolish mistake. But also, you want to listen to your mind over your heart when you've had an awful defeat in your life. You know, in your great victory, you may tell yourself, I deserve a celebration. So I've never had champagne, so I'm going to go for it. I'm going to get drunk tonight. I don't know, you probably can't get drunk on champagne. I have no idea. But I'm going to get drunk tonight. Okay, you may fail in that way on the victory. On the defeat, you'll fail this way. I'm such a loser. I'm going to call right now and quit. I'm going to call right now and tell them I'm not doing this anymore. Oh, that's your heart talking. It's not your mind. Don't listen to your heart. Next. When you're given an unexpected opportunity. Wow. You say, well, pastor. God's the one that opens doors and closes doors. Yeah, but just because a door opens doesn't mean God opened it. See, I didn't see this coming. I wasn't praying about it. I, I'm t- wow, I didn't expect it. Be very careful. When you give it an unexpected opportunity, listen to your mind, especially if your heart and your mind are disagreeing, okay? Another time when it's so important to listen to your mind over your heart, when restrictions are being removed. Let me talk to the teenagers. The older you get, you come to stages in your life where there's nobody there anymore to tell you you can't do that. Restrictions are being taken off. So many times, we, that's when we find out what a person is made of. We find out that what they've said that they believe for all these years, they really didn't believe. So when you see... You know how many, some of the greatest tragedies that I can tell you in the history of our church is when a teenager, especially from a broken home, got their driver's license and a car. And I don't mean drunk driving, crash and killed uh, uh, tragedies. I'm talking about because mom and dad are in a fight over custody and this and that and the other, 
And here's a guy that's so tired of the fighting between his divorced parents that he just gets in that car and he does what he wants when he wants and nobody's going to tell him otherwise. It's so important that if, you're, that if your mind's telling you one thing, your heart's telling you another, when, you, when restrictions are being removed, that you listen to your mind. Here's another. When you've had... can't read my writing. <laughs> when you've had a new encounter or experience... Please don't, don't laugh at this, don't, don't, whatever. When you've had a new encounter or experience. There, there are people in this room that have never had a, okay, whatever your story is with your spouse, you have your story, it's wonderful, it's great. There's no other love story that's exactly like you, yours. But you started a job or somebody new starts at your job. And they start to show you attention and you've never had it. You've never had the encounter or the experience of a woman, if you're a man, or a man, if you're a woman, to show you attention. And all of a sudden... Your mind is saying one thing, your heart saying something different. It's so important that you have the character to listen to your mind because you know what's right, you know what's wrong. When you're experiencing a new encounter, a new experience, last one, last point of the whole message. When you're in unfamiliar territory, listen to your mind, not your heart. And here's the illustration. David, the greatest tragedy and heartbreak of his life was when, when he was in unfamiliar territory. And he saw a beautiful woman. Can I remind you, if Bathsheba had been single, it would not have been moral, but it would have been appropriate in their society for him to marry her. He already had four or five wives. That was the custom. And nobody would have thought anything of it. The the crime and the sin was Bathsheba was married and the servant told David so. The servant was practically begging David, go find out who that woman is. And the servant came back and goes, is she not the wife of Uriah the Hittite, sir? David totally Blew past it. Why? Because his heart was screaming at her, screaming at him. I just, and it was lying to him. I'm not going to do anything. I just want to meet her. And it became the greatest heartbreak and tragedy of his life. Why? Because he listened to his heart and not to his mind. When you're in unfamiliar territory, stick by your mind, which is another way of saying stick by your principles. People laugh at me when I say, well, we could, we could do this to make that happen. No, because I don't do that. I have a principle that says, I don't do that. Oh, that's silly. It's just for this one thing. But you know what? My principles protect me. And when you follow your principles, you're following your mind. 
not your heart. I hope tonight that you will take this, meditate on it. Man, we went into a little controversial waters and 